Bonjour tout le monde, c'est votre hôtesse Christy et je suis très fière d'être bilingue. I'm super proud to be bilingual. It's a huge accomplishment and it's really fun to speak another language. It's almost like singing. But here are some even more important reasons to learn a second language. One, bilingual people actually have bigger brains with more gray matter and they're better at focusing on complex tasks. Two, babies and children exposed to multiple languages are smarter, for real. They have different, more efficient cognitive patterns. Three, children exposed consistently to a second language perform better in their first language. They start reading earlier and they're better at identifying grammatically incorrect sentences than monolinguals. Therefore, it should be no surprise that thousands of studies confirm students of foreign languages perform better on the ACT for English and mathematics, and they show better verbal scores on the SAT. And yet, in spite of all of this compelling research, only about 20% of K-12 students in the U.S. study a foreign language at all, compared to an average of 92% throughout Europe and really most other countries worldwide. And most of that 20% are secondary students, even though the most productive language learning years are prior to the age of 10. This is why we at EdCuration are so very excited about Sonrisas Spanish. Their curriculum provides you with everything you need to teach preschool, elementary, and middle school Spanish. It's used by thousands of schools across the country. Sonrisas Spanish is developmentally appropriate, aligned to the world readiness standards, and prepared students for higher level courses in middle and high school. Unlike the other sparse options for elementary language study, Sonrisas isn't just about piñata parties. Students actually use their language both in and out of class. Find Sonrisas at edcuration.com. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. It's a little bit of social work, a little bit of science, and a little bit of passion. The most valuable resource is also their time. It just can't be wasted on fluff. But we have to be able to continuously poll our students and just give them voice. We have to pick texts that are totally going to push their thinking. My name is Rocio Meli. Uh, I am Mexican. We came to the United States 24 years ago. And I started working at Douglas County School District as educational assistant, making copies. And um, suddenly one day, the principal at Buffalo Ridge Elementary just called me to the office and said that the Spanish teacher was gone. And uh, just ask me if you want, do you want to do it? I was like, okay, I don't have anything to do it, but you will, you will be okay, just do it. So that day I started teaching Spanish here for elementary schools. So I create a program from um, kindergarten all the way to sixth grade. I create some books for each of the students and I start teaching Spanish. That's today's guest, Dr. Rocio Melli. She is the second language acquisition specialist for Douglas County Schools in Denver, Colorado. She's also a leadership teacher and the world language department head at Castle Rock Middle School. 
She was passionate about design thinking and making real-world connections that give context and motivate learning. In fact, in 2016, she received the Nine News Educator Who Cares Award in recognition of the sister school program established by her and her students. And in case you didn't catch this in her opening, Rocio started teaching Spanish for K through six without any teacher training and without curriculum. She created her own. This woman is a force. So I was really nervous. I, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> and uh, but I took the risk. I started at Douglas County with an emergency license. And when I finished my emergency license, right away I started my master's. Then as soon as I finished my master's, uh, I decided to go for my PhD. Mm-hmm. A crazy thing. Yes, it was really crazy, but I did it. And um I'm a master doctor in education, but my emphasis was second language acquisition. Yeah. So all the research that I did, it was about second language acquisition. So you developed this program, and I'm wondering what you're. What are you most proud of about this language program that you've developed? You know what? I think for me the most important thing was to share my language and my culture to to share it with the elementary kids yeah elementary kids are so excited to learn so excited to learn i did things that i don't do it at the middle school level all these songs and all these dances i think just to share my culture and and my language with all these beautiful students because I try to speak as much Spanish I can for the elementary kids. So not to sound like a broken record, but all the research indicates that second language acquisition is most productive in the elementary years and even earlier. By the time students enter middle school, they have missed the critical period. The developing brain is hardwired to acquire language naturally, absorbing the sounds, structures, intonation, patterns, and rules of a foreign language intuitively, right along with the first language. During this critical period, the child will learn the language faster, retain it better, and most often speak it with near-native pronunciation. In fact, recent research indicates a young child up through age five can learn and process up to five languages. It will never be that easy again. Post-puberty, our aptitude for second language acquisition is greatly reduced. And yet, according to Education Week, only 25% of elementary schools offer any world language instruction. Why have we gotten it so backward in the United States? Most European countries, most other parts of the world. Let me tell you, um, I took my kids to Spain one year. And I didn't want to do just the normal trip to go and visit, to go, no, no, no. So I decided to go to a school, to visit a school, to be shadowing at at a school in in Madrid. So I took, I think at that time I took like 12 kids Uh and each kid was assigned to a kid at the school. Of course, the language was not a problem because over there they can speak English fluently. Right. Fluently. So um, when we finished that visit, I just asked them, 
why do you think these kids can speak so many languages? Mm. And one of my kids said, because they are educated to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about it. And by sixth grade, they were speaking three or four languages. Yeah. So my kids were in shock because they were eighth graders learning Spanish. So they were just so impressed by the little kids of first grade. Yeah. Writing probably in all these languages in first grade. So I think it's a problem in every part that we go of the world, they have to speak English. Right. They, and we don't have to force us to learn another languages. Mm-hmm. I think that is a problem. But the problem starts with the schools when you don't have budgets mm. to have those classes at elementary levels. And it's a shame because I think if they start learning languages since they are in, ele- in elementary level, right. they will absorb all those words and everything so fast. Yeah. So fast. It sticks, right? I think you're right. There's this, obviously, we're a big country, you know, and we we all speak English. And there's this ethnocentric idea that even if we do, even if we are people who travel internationally, which a lot of Americans don't, right? They know I'm never going to leave the United States and I don't need to know another language. Um, that even if they do travel internationally, there, there will always be somebody to speak English. And and that's actually, you know, fairly true, but it also discounts the advantages of being bilingual, just the academic advantages, the cognitive advantages, the fact that students who are bilingual are higher achievers in all other content areas. It really discounts a lot of the research. Can you talk to just the advantage of being bilingual for its own sake? What I think about, um, education here is that a lot of students are forced to take a language and they go, they don't have empathy for the language. So they struggle in it and they don't want to learn it. And you ask the kids, why are you taking a language? Mm -hmm. Because my parents want me to take a language and they don't see the benefits of it. They say, well, I'm not going to Mexico. You don't need to learn Spanish to go to Mexico. Just go to a restaurant. Go anywhere. Talk to your next door neighbor. You can just learn the language and start building that language step by step. Yeah. Um, It's amazing when you look at the job possibilities for students who speak a second language versus those for who, who don't. If you have a second language, your job opportunities multiply exponentially. A few stats, so you know I'm not just throwing out false claims here out of my imagination. In 2010, there were roughly 240,000 job postings aimed at bilingual workers. By 2015, that figure had ballooned to approximately 630,000. So to break that down for you, in five years, the demand had doubled and it continues to climb annually. The U.S. Department of Labor reported a 42% growth between 2010 and 2020. 
in jobs requiring foreign language fluency. Additionally, it's important to note that prior to 2015, 60% of the job posts for bilinguals were for unskilled or non-degreed positions, whereas since 2015, there has been a growing demand for bilingual white-collar job openings like financial managers, editors, industrial engineers, and, of course, healthcare workers and educators. The jobs are there, but unfortunately, the applicants aren't. Well, you need to understand that uh, middle school kids, they don't learn as easy as elementary kids. No, I know. That's why we need to start sooner. They are learning the language, and they will understand at the end of the year, they will understand all the commands. Mm -hmm. But I think learning a language is not easy at the middle school level. It's not easy. If you make a connection between that learning and the real world. Mm -hmm. And for example, we have in Castle Rock, we have four sister schools in Mexico. And we go every year and we provide lessons in English with a notebook for the kids. Okay. So all those lessons are created by students mm -hmm. because I said, okay, how do you want to learn this lesson? And they create the lesson and they present it to the class. And they understand that it's not so easy to be a teacher and that you need to solve all the questions of the kids and you need to be really clear in, in guiding them through the lesson. So when they create the lesson, they understand more the concept. They know that they are going to be kids learning from them so that is a connection that I think it's precious because they put it in, they put it to the real world. How did you create that program? How did that come about? You know what? My, one of my principals said, we have a Melly moment. <laughs> a Melly moment is when I just, boom. You get an idea. I, I would love to open this to Douglas County School District and say, hey, let's start avoiding all these trips that they don't give anything to the kids. Let's work with other kids around the world. Let's create a yeah. sister school worldwide for Douglas County. So how did you do it though? Did you already have connections and contacts? I had one contact. Okay. And it started building in one school the next one, the next one. And we right now have four. Okay. In these three, four schools, we have probably like 250 students from first grade all the way to middle school. Yeah. Okay. And there, and it's a beauty, but I would love Douglas County to say, let's do it. Yeah, it's a program that's obviously bringing a lot of benefit. Why wouldn't we want to duplicate it? Instead of going and visit Spain or France, yeah, just going around the city, let's put it to work. Let's put it to work where people need it. We don't go to big cities. We go to this little town called Cuautla de Jalisco. 
Yeah. And we drive 45 an hour and a half to get to the schools. Mm -hmm. So that is the beauty. You don't, you reach the people of the town, of course, but you go to the little towns on top of the hills and then that's where you teach. This kind of real world student-led learning is so life-changing for kids. A parent of one of Dr. Melly's students shared how the trip shaped her daughter. She was a lot more grateful for the things that she has. She wants to actually one day become a pediatrician and maybe go back down there to Kuala and work down there where the kids down there or, you know, anywhere in Mexico. So that's like a big difference. I wanted to know a little bit more about how this whole program evolved beyond just the Melly moment explanation. So Rocio walked me through it. The first year we started as a writing assessment. It started as a normal writing assessment. And suddenly Christmas was approaching and they said, why we don't write a book to our parents? I said, in Spanish, great. They start writing the book. It was just going to be like two pages, something really, really simple. When we start talking about it, we start looking at literacy rates in Hispanic countries. And they decided, it was not me. And I just want to be really clear, this is not about me. This is my kids' ideas. I'm just over there to support them and to push them to be better. They decided to donate the books to Hispanic country. I said, well, my question was, how are we going to do that? They got a list of all these embassies around the United States. Washington, Houston, LA, everywhere. And they just wrote a letter. The only thing I did was check the Spanish because they wrote it in Spanish. They didn't write it in English. And I checked the letter and said, okay, let's pray and let's see if somebody will answer us. Dr. Melly followed up with phone calls to the embassies over her holiday break. And when school started up again, the students were thrilled to have received replies from seven embassies. A parent donor contributed the money to publish the books that the students had written, and the embassies received and distributed the books to Spanish-speaking schools in areas with low literacy scores. The embassies of Peru, Mexico, and Chile, being located in Colorado, were able to attend a ceremony at Castle Rock Middle School and receive the books in person. So it was a bilingual book with a lot of mistakes, but that was the beauty. That was a beauty. I spent, I don't know, I was here at school probably five o'clock in the morning every day, just checking and checking those 98 books. But you know what? That was a beauty. After the first year of writing and distributing books, the students' ideas just kept growing. Signora Mele teaches design thinking and encourages a lot of dialogue in her classes. The students started Skyping with the book recipients in other countries. So they started talking back and forth to one another. This is Castle Rock Middle School principal, Leanne Hayen. But I think the powerful piece about this is the easiest way to make learning sticky is through empathy. And so very quickly, this started snowballing because of empathy, because our kids became really curious about these kids that they were seeing face to face. I only took five kids that year. We got a grant of 1500 that will only pay for the airline. We went to our first sister school, who did Michelle Fernandez. It's elementary. They have only one class per grade, and they have like 
probably like 15, 20 kids per class or less than that. So my kids went from one class to another one. And to see them teaching English, but in trying to do it in Spanish, oh, I was in heaven. As you're listening to all these amazing kids and Dr. Millie's story, I know your heart is growing three sizes, and it seems like the perfect moment to remind you about today's sponsor, Sonrisa Spanish. Hi, I'm Brooks Lindner, co-founder and co-creator of the Sonrisa Spanish Curriculum, and we're proud to be sponsoring this episode of the Ed Curation Podcast. I know the Sonrisa Spanish Curriculum works because we created it directly from the success we had teaching our own Spanish classes. With our curriculum, you'll see more student engagement in your Spanish classes and improved student outcomes because of the academic, cognitive, and cultural benefits of early language learning. So choose success. Choose Sonrisa's Spanish. Find Sonrisa's Spanish at edcuration.com and get started on your own bilingual adventure. Who knows what might await you once you get a little Latino into your soul. I bet it lists their their motivation, their confidence, their level of interest, their determination to really become fluent. I, I can imagine. Well, let me tell you, when they when all these kids approach to them like, oh my God, my teachers from the United States, and they provide them with a book, and they sit with each kid and they do the lessons. Yeah. It's priceless. It's okay for both of them, for my kids here in the States and for the kids in Mexico. This is Zoe, one of Rocio's eighth grade students. I've learned so much already just about like what the kids have been going through and, you know, everything that I've taken for granted in my life. And I've already come up with like a bunch of, you know, ideas along with the rest of the class to help them. And I've been helping to make those ideas become an actual prototype. Following the initial book distribution, there was a report about the sister school program on the news, and Dr. Melly was contacted by a local restaurant owner who connected her with the mayor of Qualta in Jalisco, Mexico. That year, the mayor came to Castle Rock and picked up student-made books and took them back to the students in his town. Year three was the first year that the students traveled to what became their sister school in Qualta, Mexico. For this trip, teams of students created lessons and each class decided democratically which students would go on the trip based on their lessons. Dr. Milley's student, Gerardo, shares about how that experience impacted him. Our main idea was to unite the two schools in ways that, such as teaching them English. And so when I went down there, one day we were going up to the school and I remember specifically seeing one kid walking into school with cardboard shoes. Now, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny little town, and to see a kid so full of joy just seeing us with these cardboard shoes, you know, duct taped up, it really made me wonder. Here in the United States, we have everything we need to succeed. We have everything at our fingertips. And these kids, they don't have anything. Yet they have this joy and this passion to go to school every single day when some of us high school students or middle school students, you know, agonize in the mornings to get up. So, you know, that was a really big thing to me, uh, you know, coming back, because from that moment forward, I really saw school as you know, something valuable. What percentage of your students would you say get comfortable speaking at least some Spanish throughout the year? What's the progression for them? Uh, I can tell you that all of them, they feel comfortable because we read a lot in Spanish. 
they feel comfortable doing it. I try to reinforce the, we make mistakes and that's totally fine. That's why we are here and that's why we are learning. What can a teacher do to help students create that buy-in so that they're really invested in their own language learning? I have an activity that they need to interview their parents in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you hear the parents saying, what? What are you saying? And the kids say, I cannot tell you. ¿Cómo te llamas? And the parents are what? So those kind of activities involve parents to realize that learning a language is not easy. Right. Not easy. So they need to support the teacher and they need to support the kids. But also they need to understand that the kids, they really need to study to get to the level where they need to be. I'm not an easy teacher because I think my job is to prepare those kids for the the next level. I'm not an easy teacher. So my expectations are high for all of them. But you know what? But when you see the kids coming one step and they go to the next one and you raise your bar and they keep on going, that's the beauty of learning a language. It is. And I can imagine doing those kinds of applications where they're interviewing their parents or speaking to a waiter in a restaurant. It just makes them feel such a sense of accomplishment and so smart because here they are knowing something that their parents don't know and being able to do something that their parents can't do. Um, I remember I, I don't, I speak very little Spanish, but I speak French and I lived overseas for several years. And I remember getting to a point where I was just participating in conversations and losing track of when I was speaking French and when I was speaking English. And I felt like a superhero. Being able to speak a second language made me feel like a magical being. I I felt so powerful. (laughs) That's making the connection with the real world. Yeah. Because conjugating a verb in a paper, it's easy. It's not, and it's not exciting. It's not interesting. There's no connection. But when you put that connection to the real world, for example, the lessons, to create the lessons, Mm -hmm. to go and interview a waiter, to go and interview your parents. Uh, When they go in a trip, you need to record your conversation with the waiter and they come back saying, you know, maybe listen to this. Or like when they're in a store and somebody's having a hard time communicating what they need and they're able to walk in and translate and help this person. They, yeah. Kids are beautiful and they absorb everything. So what if we have teachers listening to this episode who think, oh my gosh, this is an amazing idea. I want to get sister schools. I want to take these kinds of trips with my students. Where would they start? How could they find information? The information is me. The information is you. The sister school is just me. It's just you. It's just your thing. It's not my thing because it's not mine. It's the kids thing. It's the kids. Yeah. Like they said, you're running the show. Excuse me. I don't run the show. It's all the kids that are doing it. These trips are as much about student leadership as they are about language learning and cultural exchange. This is another student, Ciara, affirming what it meant for her to have her own ideas heard and implemented. This has been just a huge experience for me. I've never done something like this. Like 
we always do design thinking projects in the classrooms, but we never actually take them further and actually build these solutions for people. And this is just a huge thing for me because I've never had the experience to actually take my solutions to help someone. And then it's not just about the language. It's about the fact that they met these students and they had a relationship with the kids at this other school. We went to, to Cuautla. I think it was the second year. We were talking to the, well, the kids were talking to the kids. And um, one of the kids came to me and said, Senora Amelia, I cannot believe it. I said, what? Do you know that it was Oscar? Oscar walks one hour and 45 minutes to get to school. I said, really? Yeah. So I turned around. I said, what do you want to do for Oscar? Because those are the things that I do. What do you want to do for Oscar? Don't come to me with a story. Give me a solution. Right. You're coming with a story. Give me the solution. I don't know. Can we buy a bike? Love it. The following day, the following year, um, we got a sponsor in Mexico that sponsored 10 bikes. Wow. And this was all from this kid. He's the one that initiated it. So we created the bicycle bike. Mm-hmm. By, it was right to school. Yeah. And uh, what we did is we, I sat with the mayor of the little town and said, hey, tell me who, who are the kids that they walk more than an hour to go to school? And unfortunately, we didn't have enough bikes. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but you have to see the faces. We were in, in the plaza of, um, in the town, in the middle of the town. And you have to see all these people around us with the 10 bikes, with big decorations and everything. Yeah. With the name of the kids. Yeah. And the parents were just like, they came to me and started kissing my hands. So those are the kind of things that sister schools, on top of learning, yeah, they face a reality uh-huh. that we face here in the States. When you go to a classroom and there is not a desk, there's a table, a broken table with four chairs. That's the reality that they face. Yeah. And that is the beauty. In year four, after realizing their sister school didn't have a library, the students started dreaming again. They decided to create a library for the town. The mayor secured a space and the students gathered 2,500 books and shipped them to Cualto. That year, 15 students traveled to Mexico. Faced with a space but no bookshelves, the students started problem solving and ended up fundraising and collaborating with the fruit and vegetable suppliers to use the wooden crates to construct the shelving for the library. Here's Principal Hyen again. They're using technology, they're using VR goggles to give tours of our school to those kids. So while they may never leave their own country, they get a piece of who we are here too. And I think that ownership is what drives the learning. When they feel like they get to own what happens and their experience, they're far more invested in it. And as a result, we have high schoolers who are coming back to be a part of this. There's no better way to motivate them to want to become a fluent Spanish speaker than to give them a relationship 
with other students in Mexico who they want to communicate with. And we were invited to Nicaragua. Okay. To create sister schools in Nicaragua. But you know what? It was me, 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 me. Yeah. So I said, okay, I have 200 kids in Cuautla de Jalisco, Mexico. Then I'm going to open Nicaragua. Right. How can I handle all this? It's it's too much for me. Uh-huh. We don't have all the sponsors to go. Right. Because what I do is I try to find sponsors so the kids don't have to pay for the trip. Okay. So we have a foundation, La Batara Foundation, that they have been so nice and they give us money. And with that money, we go to Cuautla. You go. I would love, love to have somebody in Douglas County to say, let's do it. Let's create a sister school worldwide. Mm -hmm. Worldwide. Yeah. And not just for Spanish, right? For other languages as well. And other languages. Maybe there's somebody who will listen to this podcast and say, this is something I want to be involved in. Thank you for having me this opportunity to, to open the sister schools to everybody that is interesting. A closing encouragement from Anthony, another eighth grader from Dr. Melly's class. For a teacher that wants to start doing a project like this, I say go ahead and do it. It changes kids' lives. It builds new relationships and really just impacts people in a good way, I think. You can find all of Dr. Rocio Melli's contact information in the episode notes, along with the link to the video presentation about the Sister School program. If you've been inspired to open doors for your students with rigorous language study, with real-world applications, then go straight to edcuration.com and connect with Sonrisas Spanish. Don't wait. Those kids aren't getting any younger. Carrie Ventura, an elementary Spanish teacher from Renaissance Academy in Lehigh, Utah, said, quote, With Sonrisa Spanish, I've had so much success with my students really engaging and enjoying their language time again. They love that they're receiving the language in a lot of different modalities. We just didn't see this level of engagement with any other programs. They're learning in a way that's very effortless for them, end quote. Spanish? is the second most spoken language in the world after Mandarin. So speaking Spanish connects your students to 420 million more people, and that's a lot of new friends. We hope you were as inspired by this episode as we were, and if so, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, like us, share us, and most importantly, come back again next week and tune in to hear about who and what is reshaping learning on the Ed Curation Podcast.